Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I am your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Let me tell you, one of my favorite people to talk to about business, politics, culture, you name it, is my guest this segment, Warren D. Robinson. He is a filmmaker, a showmaker, uh, works with Netflix and, and some of the uh, other biggest brands in media, uh, producer, director. He has a great background uh, legal-wise as well. So he brings so much to every single interview. You can learn more about him at warrendrobinson.com. There you can keep abreast of all of his new activities, and he always has something new going on. Warren, glad to have you on the program as always. And uh, great topics today. We're going to talk about Fannie Willis, and I think uh, this is a really important, under-discussed, there's been a lot about Fannie Willis, right? And it's almost like everyone is hanging on a, on the thought as, will this impact the Trump case? But the reality is Fannie Willis, the attorney, the district attorney there in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, mm-hmm. far, far greater implications for all, you know, the rest of society hang in the balance, and, and rarely is that discussed. No, you're absolutely right this saga it listen it's made for great television right if you couldn't watch the television last week without um seeing all the wall-to-wall coverage and it has all the details of what makes for a great story right a love affair and sordid details and exotic trips but you hit the nail on the head in that that is not really the main focus or should not be the main focus of this case. What we have here is a prosecutor who is bringing one of the most important cases as it relates to protecting our democracy and the sanctity of voting who has, because of her bad decisions, has now potentially put that case in jeopardy. That is a huge issue, and I'm very disappointed in Fonnie Willis because um, I believe when she first announced these charges, she seemed to have it together. She took her time. She presented it to a grand jury. Everything seemed to be in line. She put all her ducks in a row, and I said, okay, she's methodical. She's going to make sure she gets Trump. And then to see her make just such a blatantly dumb decision, I just, I cannot wrap my head around it, and I can't wrap my head around why she did it, and then why she just didn't recuse herself when it exactly. first came out. I don't exactly. understand. Yeah, well, I have a slightly different take on her. Uh, hmm. To me, she came across like someone where the case was more about her than Donald Trump. That I, I felt that from the beginning, a little bit of showboating, uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, Look what I've done is where it came across, which to me, you know, my take, again, this is my take, kind of endorses why she would not recuse herself. Uh, There was a lot of ego in the way she went into it. And, uh, of course, anyone, especially uh, uh, there is a political aspect to this. Let's not be, you know, you and I can't be naive. We know that. Um, But at least be sophisticated about it. And, And to me, she lacks some of that. Uh, but this is a very, this is beyond sophomoric. The implications of it are huge. And for the listener, you know, for the listener on the on the left who might say, or who might, uh, I'm sorry, the listener who is, um, you know, progressive uh, or anti-Trump. Let's make it simple. He or she might say, so what's the big deal? Uh, the big deal is the fact that that prosecutor that was chosen 
Uh, there was mm-hmm. a reason why they choose a special prosecutor for that case, and she didn't prosecute it. She prosecutes tons of cases. It's because they wanted to make sure that there was a certain amount of detachment, a certain mm-hmm. amount of arm's distance between the prosecution and the office itself for various reasons. Well, if you've got pillow talk involved, which is the case when she is having a relationship with that prosecutor, that just shoots a, a massive hole in that prospect. Yeah, and then there's also the issues of whether or not he was properly qualified. Um, he's never even tried a felony case, and yet you give him the biggest felony case that your office has ever seen. There's a lot of questions about that. There are questions about the fact that he was making more than the other special prosecutors, including one who is a RICO expert than the other attorneys on the um, that, that she put onto the special prosecuting team. So there are a lot of questions, ethical questions, that this raises and conflict of interest questions that it raises about Fani, and that's why it's such a big deal. It doesn't affect what Trump did or didn't do, but it does affect uh, the fairness or at least the appearance of fairness that it comes to when it comes to this trial. And that's what I think upsets me the most is because she gives cover to all the Trump folks who have been saying for a long time, oh, the system is corrupt. Everybody's against Trump. This gives cover to that. It at least creates the impression that that may be true. And you're right, Kevin. I agree. Fonnie Willis from the start was a showboat. She was very much about, hey, I look what I did. I got Trump, as was Letitia James in New York City, as was Alvin Bray. So I really didn't have a problem with the showboating if you could back it up. And the problem that I had with Fonnie was you did come out, you did showboat, and now look what you've done. If you're going to take a case this public and you're going to come against the former president of the United States, you have to make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed to allow yourself to be caught up in a scandal. This stupid over something, it just makes no sense. There are a dozen prosecutors across Georgia who would have happily prosecuted Trump that you weren't sleeping with. Uh, Yeah. So it really (laughs) just, I mean, I just, it's just stupid. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is true. And I think that, uh, you know, to me, what's interesting is, is that Dan Abrams, who's one of my favorite journalists, uh, you know, from um, News Nation, he, put, he said this months ago. She has got to recuse herself. Very, the very first time it became, came to light that this may be, you know, uh, inappropriate, you know, the relationship inappropriate. He said, just get this, let's just protect the case. That's what I would say as an attorney, which he is. Uh, I would just protect the case uh, because this case is too big. She always put herself as more important than the case. And the longer this has gone on, that's my view. Again, this is all opinion. Uh, the court, court of public opinion, as they say, this is my opinion. She always put herself above the case, and that is a tragic mistake because the implications are so huge in this case. Big, the biggest case of her career, the biggest case of her boyfriend's career, who, as you pointed out, has zilch uh, prosecution experience, uh, and to see it handled this way. And, and what's interesting is... Um, you know, you would think after day one of the trial or of the hearings, she would have refused herself because her stock value, her professional value, sunk significantly after day one, in my opinion. And it has only continued to sink as she continues to fight this. She's going to obliterate her reputation uh, by the time she's done with uh, defending her position in this. 
yeah, I don't know how she thinks she's going to win re-election after this. She should have recused herself from the start, never even allowed it to get to the hearings, because neither one of them looked truthful in those hearings. And honestly, they may have set themselves, especially Wade, may have set himself up for potential perjury charges, or at least disbarment um, with his license if he lied under oath, because there were some things in there that just don't make sense. The idea that when he filed the affidavit, which was under oath, he said, well, I never had a relationship while I was married. And then he gets on the stand and says, well, we were legally married, but the marriage was irretrievably broken. Well, you're a lawyer. You know that does not mean you're divorced. You're still married. So I think there's a lot of potential there. And then we heard issues about her giving contracts to his firm, huge hundred, multi-hundred thousand dollar contracts with no bids. So she may face some, some potential legal issues here. But you're right, Kevin. She didn't recuse herself because she wanted the glory. She wanted the book deals and the speaking engagements and all that would come with convicting Trump if she were able to do it. And the Georgia case seems very solid. So that's why she didn't do it. And instead, she came up there with this crazy defense of, well, I paid everything in cash. I have no receipts. I have no withdrawal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what do you got? But I did everything in cash, like a mob <laughs> boss. I mean <laughs> – it's ridiculous, and it, it made her look untruthful, and I think she may face some real serious legal consequences as a result of this. And, and, and just most importantly, if this case gets removed from her office, which, you know, and, and for the listeners, there is a legal standard, even if all of this is true. The standard is still whether or not the defendant would be prejudiced, right, whether or not he could get a fair trial. So even if she's having an affair with Nathan Wade, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've done anything unfair to Trump. Now, that's the standard, but we all know the appearance of impropriety may make the judge say we're going to remove her anyway. But if this gets removed, it's not clear who takes over this case. It may be the state attorney general, who is very much a Republican. Does anybody believe that he's actually going to pursue these charges against Trump. This is why she should have recused herself and allowed her office to still retain the oh, prosecution, yeah. but she was too deeply concerned about herself. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Uh, and and by the way, you know you know how you know how these kind of things work. Uh, you have attorneys looking, uh, prosecuting attorneys looking for places where they're going to get their best chance for a win. You, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Particularly mm-hmm. when it's a big name person with high political uh, implications involved. Fulton County was about the best place in the state of Georgia to prosecute Donald Trump. Absolutely. If you wanted a conviction, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. and she was, in many ways, the prosecutor to do it. One, because you're right, she was a showboat. And showboat prosecutors, they tend to get the job done because they want to win. Right. Yeah. They want the win. Um, and and she her voters in her district in Fulton County would have loved her if she were able to prosecute her. So, yes, this was the perfect venue. And now she's put that all at risk for the fact that we may get a prosecutor from a more conservative county whose voters would not appreciate uh, a Trump prosecution. Or we may get the state attorney general. We simply don't know. It, she has put this whole case. And again, this is such an important case. What he did in Georgia, um, allegedly did, to try to uh, usurp the voters is hugely symbolic, and it's very important to protecting our democracy. This was such an important case, and for her to allow her personal relationship to possibly interfere with the prosecution of this case, it is just extremely disappointing, extremely disappointing. Just, just ego beyond belief. It's a lot like the person she was uh, prosecuting. 
that kind of ego. <laughs> Frankly, very good analogy. You know, the implications are similarly huge. Absolutely, yeah. For the listener, uh, the case really, I, I, I guess you can sum up the case against Trump. Um, it, you know, this is a person who asked the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia, uh, which is in charge of elections, to simply find 15,000 votes for him. Well, that's just the essence of that is criminal. It's proven to be true. You know, and if, if, if the actions, uh, if there's more coalesced actions, uh, this literally being a RICO-type case, right, because you're talking about multiple parties, coronation, um, you know, this is huge. We're talking decades of jail um, if, if convicted potentially. And all of, that, all of this loss between lies and love. Oh, wow, that'd be a great title for a book. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's incredible. It's really incredible. Warren, final thoughts. Yeah, you know, you're right. This is a very important case, and it's more than just the, even the, the 11,000 vote take. This was an act where we had people trying to put in fake electors. We had people trying to defraud um, government workers with fake documents and forged documents. This is huge, and I am just really disappointed that the Fulton County District Attorney has allowed it to be marred and undermined it by her salacious personal relationship. Yeah, and, and that, that's a great laundry list you just made. Going back to RICO, what is RICO? RICO was, was uh, a set of charges created specifically to fight organized crime, like the mob. And these kind of actions are mob-like, organized crime-like actions, according to the state, and it's a very articulate, eloquent case. I saw the original indictment. It was tight. Frankly, it's the kind of stuff that uh, you would use as a model for law school. It was tight. And then she ruins it with all this. Absolutely. Very disappointing. WarrenDRobinson.com is how you learn more about my guest, one of my personal favorites, a great friend of the show, great friend of mine. I am Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 